water so that you, your cattle, and your animals may drink. And this is a simple matter in the sight of the Lord. He will also deliver the Moabites into your hand. Also, you shall attack every fortified city and every choice city and shall cut down every good tree and stop up every spring of water and ruin every good piece of land with stones. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, is a very familiar verse to us. But it says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. If you'll permit me just a few moments tonight, I want to preach from this title, Faith Isn't Flip-Flops. You can be seated. In church, we love the moments, don't we? We go, you know, I've been to quite a few services in my life. I'm not as seasoned as some people here. But in 24 years, I've been to a few services. I've been to Sunday morning services and Sunday night services, midweek services, prayer meetings, Bible studies. We go to youth camp, district conference, youth convention, youth rallies and revivals, youth congress. And, and that's really why we go, isn't it? It's for the moments. We love shouting and we love the singing. We love those opportunities to lose ourselves in the presence of God. We love that every sermon that's preached at those places just seems like it's anointed. We love the moment. We love the moment. And for good reason. God can change our lives in a moment. We know that. I mean, for, for many of us, we, we've experienced this where we came into church one day and in a moment, God turned our past into something that really truly was our past. And, and in a moment, he, he changed our old life and made it new. Lots of things can happen in the moment, and we love the moment. We love what happens in the altars where we weep and feel the way that we feel. Where, where it just seems like God is so very close. Closer than He is at other times, perhaps, it seems like to us. Yet, so often it happens that we tend to forget that once we leave the altar, that we must make daily decisions that will alter us, that will propel us and sustain us and bring us into the fulfillment of all that God has Now don't hear me the wrong way tonight, but what we really need most is not another sermon or another song. Most of us at Sanctuary have heard enough sermons and enough teaching probably to last us for two or three lifetimes. Now don't leave and say Clinton was advocating skipping church. The Bible says forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. It says that God chose the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And biblical preaching and teaching saves and it sustains us. But what we need most is probably not another sermon. What we need most is probably not another song. What we need the most is to begin to walk in everything that we have already experienced. And to begin to walk in every bit of truth that we already know. We need more than a moment. 
I'm going to become, if I'm going to become who God is calling me to be, I've got to have more than a momentary experience. If I'm to become who God wants me to be, that momentary experience must turn into a daily walk with God through faith. Because the author and the finisher of our faith does not finish writing our story in a moment. In our text, we find ourselves with some kings and their armies that had gotten themselves into a bit of a mess. They were out in the wilderness. They were about to fight a battle, but they were completely out of water, which turns out that's something that you need if those are the things that you're trying to do. In understanding the potential for complete disaster, they call upon the prophet Elisha. And, and Elisha doesn't even want to help them. And, and that's a funny thing in Scripture because Elisha has an attitude about all of it. He says, I don't even like two of the kings in this group. And if it wasn't for Jehoshaphat, I wouldn't even look your direction. He's not feeling very inspired at the moment. And so in a, in a part of Scripture that I think is a little funny to me, Elisha calls for a musician. So it's not only you and I that sometimes need some music to get us in the right mindset, even Elisha did. But he calls on this musician, and, and, so, and all of a sudden the music begins to play, and the Bible says the hand of the Lord comes upon Elisha, and he begins to speak the word of God. And, and you know, you know, that the people had to be excited when Elisha started to speak. Can you imagine the thrill that ran through their ranks as they heard that the Lord would fill the valley up with water for them to drink and that the Lord was going to deliver the enemy into their hands and that they were going to have a great victory. The music was playing. The word was being delivered. It was a great moment. Maybe somebody let out a shout. Maybe somebody did a lot of different things because just a few moments ago, they had been doomed for defeat. But now the music was playing. The word was was coming and everything was going to be all right. Yet, after the song was over and after the sermon was preached, the reality that the moment was over had to set in. They'd been so excited about the promise of God's miracle and deliverance that I imagine they kind of glossed over that first command that He gave. Thus says the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. They're dying of thirst. That's what they said. They are dying of thirst. They're getting ready for a battle. They are exhausted. They are tired. They are just worn out. And they've got to use what remaining energy that they have to dig a ditch for rain when they can't even see a cloud. Make no mistake. I imagine that they enjoyed the sermon. I bet they were really experiencing the presence of God when the song was playing. And they were, they were so excited about this prophecy. But now the moment is over. And how many of us have had that kind of experience? We feel God in the moment. And in the moment when we're at the altar or we're at a church service, we make some commitments to God. And in the moment we really feel it. And in the moment we're ready to give everything up. And in the moment we're willing to go the extra mile. And in the moment we really...
really want to give this thing everything that we have. Lord, I'm going to talk to you every day in prayer. Lord, I'm going to let you speak to me through your word every day. Lord, I'm going to fast one day a week. Lord, I'm going to finally invite my friend to church. Lord, I'm going to get a Bible study to teach. Lord, I'm going to find a Bible study to attend. Lord, I'm going to cut off some unhealthy relationships in my life. Lord, I'm going to delete some people off of Facebook. Lord, I'm ready to give you all of me. I will do anything in the moment. But then after the moment is over and and we go home and we go to the restaurant or, or whatever and the emotion begins to fade and we decide that we don't really need to get that crazy about this church stuff. And I'm here to tell you tonight and me tonight that faith isn't primarily what happens during church, but faith is what happens after. After the sermon is over, that's where faith truly begins. And contrary to what we might want, and contrary to popular belief today, faith is not flip-flops. Faith isn't a relaxing vacation with your toes in the sand and the sound of the waves in the distance. I hope I can preach this just like it is tonight, but real faith looks a lot more like work boots than it does flip-flops. Real faith looks a lot more like overhauls, overalls than red chinos. Faith is a farmer who works and tills and plants and waters and waits for the appointed time when the harvest will finally come. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. I come to you a convicted man tonight. Because I've been living my life thinking that I might be living a life that is pleasing to God by trying to exercise my faith only in the moments. But, but when, I, when I read scripture, God speaks to me and says, faith isn't just what happens in the moment, but it's the way by which God's people must live. Faith without works is dead. And if I'm going to live a life that pleases Him, I'm going to have to, if I'm going to see him do the miraculous in my life and in the lives of others, I've got to give him something. I've got to give him something that he can work with. God wants to fill the valley with water. But I've got to dig a ditch. Naaman, God wants to heal you of leprosy, but you've got to go down in the water. David, God wants to help you slay Goliath, but you've got to go out there all by yourself. Peter, God wants to use you to heal the lame man, but you've got to reach out your hand and pick him up. Boy, God wants to help you feed the 5,000 through your meal, but he needs you to give up your fish and your loaf. Peter, God wants to see you walk across the water, but you've got to step out of the boat. We want Paul on the road to Damascus where heaven opens up and a light shines and a miracle is done. But often God gives us the rich young ruler. He wants to bless us, but we've got to give him something he can work with. He says, let me see your faith. Do we realize, do I even realize, 
what miracles God would begin to work if I would begin to live by faith and give him something that he could truly use. It's not a vacation. It's not a part-time endeavor. It doesn't happen in one day a week. Faith is a full-time job. It's work boots, not flip-flops and a vacation. Faith is endless invitations to church even when you expect to be rejected. Faith is reading your Bible and praying and worshiping even when you feel bone dry and spiritually apathetic. Faith Faith says that in God's appointed time, His harvest will come if I just give Him the seed to work with. The only ditches that God is going to fill are the ones that we dig. And I must, I must make sure that that I am in the business of creating places and avenues for the living water of God to fill and to flow. Could it be that in this generation he's saying much the same thing as he was to those kings and their armies? That we are to make this valley full of ditches. Make the landscape of your life full of places where I can flow and full of places where I can make thirsty people thirst no more. Could it be that God just needs us to dig a ditch? No, man cannot do it without God, but neither will God do it without man. And I might become a Christian in the moment, I might become a Christian in the midst of the shout and in the song, but if I am going to stay a Christian, I'm going to have to do it with a shovel and with work. And I must dig a ditch of personal devotion and commitment to God. The only way to become deep and the only way to keep from becoming shallow is to keep digging daily in prayer, in Bible reading, in study, in fasting. Faith is a prayer and a shovel that says to the mountain, God will move you, or He'll give me the strength to do it on my own. Faith says, I planned on 15 coming to Bible study, but only my family showed up, but we're doing it next week anyway. Faith does not earn us the right to the miraculous. But faith puts us in the right position. And it puts us in the right mindset to receive it. Faith gathers the greatest possible crowd to experience what God has in store. Acts of faith are not simply like pebbles that we toss into the pool and they sink to the bottom. But, but acts of faith are not pebbles. They're seeds that are planted in the soil of life. And they will come up one day. The harvest is inevitable. The Bible says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man will sow, 
that shall he also reap. Decisions are seed. Attitudes are seed. Acts are seed. Prayers are seed. Thoughts are seed. And all of it will come to fruition someday if we have the faith to plant it. Is one saved soul worth a hundred rejected invitations to church? Is it really? Is your miracle that you've been hoping for and, and praying for, is it worth worshiping and praying even when you don't feel anything in the whole world? Even if you feel like God in that moment couldn't care less about you. Is it worth that? Is the miracle that you desire worth faithfully attending church week after week when you just don't feel anything? Is revival worth fasting one day a week? Is it worth it for me to live by faith? Because that's really the question, isn't it? There's not going to be, if I'm waiting... For God to give me the miracle before and then me live by faith after doesn't work like that. And so I can't expect to see the miracle before. And so all I can really say as a Christian is, is it worth it for me to live for God with no promise of a miracle? Is it worth it for no promise There was a man by the name of R.U. Darby from Maryland who had an uncle who bought a, um, a mine in Colorado and to, to stake a claim and dig for gold. The work was hard, but he was soon rewarded for his efforts. He found gold, but he realized that he needed machinery to get it all out. He needed something more than picks and shovels. He needed something that would help him get this work done. So he goes from Colorado back home to Maryland to help raise money to get this equipment to use. And and R.U. Darby helps him raise this money, and he goes with him back, and they return together, and they mine it out, and the returns were incredible. It was considered at the time to be the richest mine in all of Colorado. And in just a few more carts of ore, all the bills and all the expenses would have been paid and everything from that point would have been profit. And and by profit, it would have been huge profit. But then something happened. The gold just ran out. The vein, they lost it. They couldn't find it. It just disappeared. And and as you can imagine, they didn't want to give up. So they dug for months and months and months and months and months and months. And they found nothing. And so finally, with their head held low, they sold their mine and they sold their machinery to a junk man in Colorado for a few hundred dollars. And they moved back to Maryland. But this junk man, he wasn't foolish. And so before he got rid of the machinery and the land, he hired an engineer to come and look at this mine one last time. And this engineer, he determined that the mine was still the richest one in Colorado. It would take months, maybe years, to dig all of the gold out And so they began to dig. 
It didn't take him long. Turns out he only had to go three feet. Three feet from where R.U. Darby stopped digging, they found the main vein. He was three feet from riches. Three feet from being a multi-millionaire. Three feet from never having any more financial worries. Three feet from something he had worked so diligently to have. Three feet from the promise he had hoped for for years. But he stopped digging. And I'm just here to tell you tonight to keep going. And it's a phrase that we gloss over sometimes. But keep going. Keep planning. Keep living by faith in the best way that you know how. Because could it be that you're only one more prayer away from your miracle? Could it be that you're just one more invitation away from seeing someone come to church and be saved? Could it be that we're just one more Bible study away from a breakthrough in our community? Could it be that we are so close when sometimes we feel so far? The Bible says it like this. It says, don't be weary in well-doing. And perhaps there couldn't be a more powerful verse. People don't usually list it on their most favorite verses in the whole Bible. But it probably should be many of ours. Don't be weary in well-doing. Because there's a lot of people, there's a lot of Christians that I've seen that try to give it all that they have for a little while. And and they just expect to see something happen. And it doesn't work out quite like they thought that it would. And they say, well, everything I've done has been for naught. It's all been a waste. I'm tired. I'm not going to dig anymore. And could it be that they threw in the towel three feet from the end that God was trying to bring them to? Sometimes I feel like we are so close. And even though we can't see, and even though we can't feel anything, that's really what faith is. Living through God, when there is uncertainty and pain, is what faith is. And living for God, even when we're being mocked, and even when it's not easy, and even when it's not clear, and even when the pathway isn't sure, is really what faith is. And praising and worshiping, even when we're in a dry place in our lives, and we can't see or feel just about anything, and we're just doing it because we know it's who He is, and He deserves our best. That's what faith is. And I know in my life there have been times that I've come to church and I've lived my life. And I said, I don't see it and I don't feel it. And so maybe I'm just going to step back for a little while. Not, don't get me wrong, I didn't leave the church. It wasn't like that. But definitely didn't give it the effort that I could have. And that's not pleasing to God because that's not what faith is. Sanctuary.
It's difficult. I don't feel like it all the time. You don't feel like it all the time. It's hard. We're tired. We've tried it before. I've tried it before. It doesn't make any sense. We don't want people to think that we're crazy. We don't want people to think we've lost our mind. But this is faith. It's not a vacation. It's work. And I, and I imagine probably some people came and are disappointed at the direction that this has went. And, and I know I have not preached it perhaps like it needed to be preached. But when I was getting ready, I don't think this needs an altar call where everybody is, I want everybody to cry or, or throw your hands up and shout. We don't really need another sermon tonight. You don't really need to hear another sermon from somebody that, that's the B team in the church right now. But what we need to do is to try to act and live out the things that we know. To live in faith for everything that I know. That's my prayer. That's my prayer for me. That, you know, I know to pray. And, I, and, not, and not in the sense that if I don't pray, I'm not living right. I'm not, I'm not saying get right or get left. But, but in the sense that God wants to talk to us. He wants to speak to us. He has an avenue of communication for us to speak to God. And I know to pray, but I need to pray. And, and I need to read my Bible, not because I never do, but because God has given me His Word so that I could know Him more and, and, have, and have a way to live my life more in tune with what He wants. And I know to read my Bible, but I need to read my Bible. And the Bible has a lot to say about things like fasting and witnessing and that sort. And I know to teach Bible studies. And I know to come to church. And I know to invite people to church. But I need to do those things. And in times and in the moments that I've had in my life, I can look back at camps and services and times where, you know, we were shouting and we really felt God. And in those moments, I felt like I'm going to invite every single person I know to come with me. And we're going to fill the thing up. And I'm going to read my Bible 24 hours a day. Or at least in all the times that I'm not praying. And, um, and then I get home and it's, it's not quite like that. Um, but in this service, I would ask you, I'm not asking for an emotional response. But when God talks to us about faith, that's not really what he's asking for either. He said, faith without works is dead. And so as we leave from this place tonight, I can't tell you what you might need to do. You know. But I would ask Sanctuary Church to live by faith. Because without faith, it's impossible to please Him. Let's be a church that is pleasing to God. Let's be a church that God looks like at and He says, this church 
really just makes me happy. This church puts a smile on my face because they see what I've asked them to do. And even though they don't see all the plans that I have, they live by faith. They invite people. They pray. They fast. They worship like it's going to happen tomorrow. If we can stand together tonight. I am very blessed to go to a church filled with people, absolutely filled with people who love God. I am blessed to go to a church with people who who live their lives as an example that I need to follow. I am blessed with parents and grandparents and a pastor who is in it to win it, baby. Like, they are... trying to live this the best way that they know how. But don't let me get so caught up in the moments and so caught up in the emotion of it all that I let the emotion wash away my conviction and I leave and I go to Wings to Go and I order my hot wings or whatever and I forget to invite that person that I've been thinking about for months or years and forget to, you know... Get a Bible reading plan or forget to, you know, Monday's my fast day or, or whatever. I believe that God wants to speak to each and every one of us to help us better live by faith. And this week, just going forward, I just would ask that, that we would be sensitive to that and, um, and live in everything that we know. That's what I have in mind.